You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. What is the most important, uh, the most important thing in your day-to-day life? Like the integral, integral part, I, don't, I can never pronounce that word, of your day-to-day life. You can tell me. Come on, don't be scared. What's that one thing you need to make it through your day? <laughs> there you go. I just had to word it right to get coffee out. Uh, coffee. Water. Yes, you need water. Okay. Uh, if you're feeling sentimental, maybe you'll say family. Maybe you'll say friends, kids, love. All we need is love. Love is all we need. Jesus, yes. Jesus is always the correct answer. Music, anybody? Like, I got to have music in my life. I just want to dance. Uh, how about your cell phone? I have driven to a place, that, to my destination, 30 minutes away, only to realize that I forgot my phone at home, turned around and went back to get it. What is wrong with me? I remember, like, I'm, I'm, I'm at, like, the tail end of the, the millennial uh, generation, but I grew up without a cell phone. We had a house phone. And I had to write down the phone number to every one of my friends' house in my mom's little address book so she could call them to find out where I was. And I had to memorize phone numbers. Like, I remember when I was a little kid, we had one of those little rotary phones, like, and it was Mickey Mouse. Like, but now, if I leave my phone at home, I don't know how I'm going to function. What if somebody needs to get a hold of me? Yeah. Anyway, we all have that one thing that's very important to us. For my wife, it's coffee. Um, but as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit needs to be that integral part of our day-to-day life. The Holy Spirit needs to be the center of what we do and our sole focus throughout our days. We need the Holy Spirit. Look at the person next to you telling them, you need the Holy Spirit. Tell the other person too. make sure they know. Right, that's why we have dedicated this series to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, right? And we've learned a lot. We've learned uh, the Holy Spirit was sent to us by Jesus after his ascension to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. Uh, that he, the Holy Spirit guides us in truth and understanding, uh, leads us to be more Christ-like, comforts and helps us, helps us to live a life of holiness, right? The Holy Spirit is an integral part of our life as a Christian. And today... We are going to talk about the gift of spiritual language. I like to use the term spiritual language rather than speaking in tongues. See, that's what happens. We already heard somebody go, ooh. Because <laughs> we just say the T word in church, tongues. And like you feel that people have this tension. And a lot of us have a preconceived notion of the gift of speaking in tongues, right? But we are going to call this spiritual language because that's what it is, right? Because uh, when people hear the phrase speaking in tongues, I feel like a lot of times there's this mysticism and confusion surrounding it. And people, people automatically think of something they saw in a church once or maybe on a documentary uh, of people in this heightened emotional stance and like trance-like and shaking. And, and that's not what it is. Right? Spiritual language, baptism of the Holy Spirit, moving in the gifts of the Spirit does not require you to be in a weird emotional state. It doesn't require tears. It doesn't require shaking. It doesn't require doing a Jericho march and dancing for the Lord around the sanctuary before God is able to speak to you. 
right? It is a language. It is spiritual language given to us, plain and simple, given to us by the Holy Spirit. And it's not surprising that God would design a way by which we could communicate with him, okay? His entire plan was restoration of fellowship, right? Fellowship was broken. Adam would walk with the Lord daily in the garden, communicating with him. And if God's whole plan was restoration of that fellowship, communication is essential to relationship. Communication is essential to fellowship. I am not going to have a relationship with my wife or it's going to be very unfulfilling if we never communicate with each other. It's going to be kind of weird, right? So language is unique to God. God created language, gives us the ability to use and understand language. And spiritual language is no different than just the English that I'm speaking. Well, it is different in a sense, but we've got to think of it as a language and not some weird emotional heightened trance-like state. Amen? Amen. So our key thought this morning Spiritual language is a gift of the Holy Spirit that is available to all believers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you just for what you've been doing in the life of our church. And uh, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would be with me as I preach this message, uh, the message that you've given me, Lord, that you would speak through me, and that, uh, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would break down any preconceived notions that we have, any fears or doubts that we have, and show us the beauty of who you are uh, and what you can do for us in our lives as that help and as that comfort. So we give this time to you and ask that you would do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Spiritual language is a gift of the Holy Spirit that is available to all believers. Say all. all. All believers. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, say it's for me, and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in a spiritual language, is not just for pastors. It's not just for people who have been saved for a number of years, right? It is for all who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and want a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about that for a second, uh, is separate and distinct. It is a separate and distinct uh, event, an encounter with the Holy Spirit that is different from salvation and is different from water baptism. It is a completely separate and distinct thing. The first time we see baptism in the Holy Spirit is in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, the disciples. Remember, Jesus told them, wait in Jerusalem until the gift, until I send the gift that I have promised you. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Separate and distinct event. Now, when we experience salvation... So you're going to see a lot of scripture references here today, and I encourage you to write them down and look them up for yourself later. We just don't have enough time to go through all of them. I see some of you taking pictures of the screen. That's totally fine. When we experience salvation, there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happens. In that indwelling of the Spirit, God, just, God 
deposits his Holy Spirit in you. And that indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the seal of belonging to Christ. That is, that is, a, that is our identity. That is our birthright. That is what the Lord gives us. And that is that seal of, of us belonging to Jesus, right? Now, Holy Spirit baptism doesn't automatically occur when a person's baptized in water. And in Acts 8, you see believers in Samaria were baptized with the Holy Spirit after salvation and after water baptism. Same thing in Ephesus. They go to Ephesus and, and ask the question, were you baptized in the Holy Spirit? And the response of those believers is, we don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. But they had received Jesus. They had been baptized in water. And then the disciples laid hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. They spoke in a spiritual language. So we see that it is a distinct. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate event from salvation. It is a separate event from water baptism. It doesn't occur automatically at the moment of salvation. It doesn't occur automatically at the moment of water baptism. And it is one of our four squares in four square, right? Jesus is our savior. Jesus is our baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our healer. And Jesus is our soon coming king. So this is a core doctrine of what our, what our beliefs is as new, in new life. So I like to, I like to think of it as, uh, I like to think of baptism of the Holy Spirit as electricity. So right now, each one of you has electricity running through your body, right? It is allowing you to hear what I'm saying, to view the screens, it's allowing your heart to beat, your, your lungs to take in oxygen and, and, and breathe. It's, it's everything that your body is doing right now, it is doing because there's electricity coursing through your body. Now, since I have that in me, when I was born, that electricity was there. So since that electricity is in my body, does that mean that I can never experience a greater amount of electricity in my life? No. All I got to do is go touch a live wire, and that electricity is going to come upon me. <laughs> and I am going to experience a greater measure of electricity. Okay? So it's the same with the Holy Spirit. When we are born again, the Lord deposits his spirit in us. And from that moment of rebirth and salvation in Christ, that Holy Spirit lives in us. But we can still experience a greater measure of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, that greater infilling, that, that, greater, that, that more of the Holy Spirit that is available to us. So when we experience Holy Spirit baptism, first and foremost, it is to enable us, give us power, and enable us to be a witness for Jesus, a bold witness for Christ. And that's what Jesus says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witness. So the Holy Spirit is, 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 is coming upon us and moving us to be a bolder witness for Jesus, to be a bolder witness in our workplace, to, to, to be a bolder witness uh, maybe in the church, to give us the faith to step out and believe that God is going to do something great, believe that God can do what he says he's going to do. And this is so important, right? The Holy Spirit's, the, the, that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit's uh, pouring out on our life is so important that Jesus did not start his ministry until he had the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not start his ministry until the Holy Spirit descended upon him. 
if it's important for Jesus, it's important for me. If it's important for Jesus, it's important for you, right? If Jesus needed this to accomplish the task that he set out to accomplish, then I'm pretty sure we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah, if it's good enough for Jesus, then I'm going to give it a shot. <clears throat> also, when we experience Holy Spirit baptism, the gifts of the Spirit become more evident and active in our life. I really love how Pastor John explained it uh, a few weeks ago. Um, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, right? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation develops the fruits, right? The Christ-like character, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. But the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will start to produce those gifts and the Holy Spirit will start to allow us to move in the gifts of the Spirit. And we see those in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, spiritual language is one of those gifts of the Spirit. And there are different types of spiritual languages. First one that we see, which is what we see in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, is speaking in a language that is known, right? Unknown to the person speaking, but known to the person listening. So that would be like if I just came up here right now and just started speaking in Tagalog. Like, I've never learned that language, but a lot of you would understand what I'm saying. So on the day of Pentecost, each one of these people in the upper room were given the ability to speak a language of the people that were listening. And they proclaimed the gospel. Remember, they said, these people are drunk. It's like 9 o'clock in the morning. What have they been drinking? But each of them heard the gospel in their own language. Now, there are, I have heard cases of this still happening today. Um, the one that I'm most familiar with, Pastor Jack Hayford, the Holy Spirit told him, start speaking in tongues when he was on an airplane. And he started to speak in tongues, and the guy next to him was like, how did you learn that language? Like, it was, apparently the guy was a, a Native American linguist. And this was like a super old, ancient language, and he was speaking in tongues and praying in his spiritual language. And he was telling that what that guy heard was about Jesus. All right, that's really cool. Right, so that's it. That's that's one case. Uh, another one is speaking in an unknown language for the person pur purpose of prayer and worship. Now, this is uh, an unknown language to the person speaking, an unknown language to anybody listening, and it is a known language to God who is in heaven. This is the the most common usage of spiritual language. The most common usage of spiritual language is for prayer and worship speaking or singing in a heavenly language that is known only to God, right? And when we do this, uh, God will impart wisdom into us. He will give us personal revelation, reveal things to us. And praying in your spiritual language is praying the will of God. And we know that from the book of Romans that yeah, I don't have that up there, but from the book of Romans, that praying in that spiritual language is praying the will of God. There are a lot of times where I feel overwhelmed with things. I don't know what I should pray for, but I know that God has given me uh, an option and given me an ability to be able to pray his perfect will, to be able to pray for things that I don't even know that I should pray for. Like it says in Romans 8, we don't know what we should pray for. But the Spirit intercedes and prays for us in groanings and, 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 and utterances. And God who's in heaven and, and his Spirit hears our Spirit. And we are praying God's will when we do that. 
And maybe you've heard some, maybe spiritual language is new to you. Maybe you don't have a spiritual language. You've never experienced that. And maybe in church you've heard somebody praying and it's like, oh, that's kind of weird, right? And it might sound different. But that person is praying to God. That person is singing. Pastor Janet does it all the time. Like anytime Pastor Janet is in church, she's usually praying in her spiritual language or singing in her spiritual language. Sometimes I come in the office and all I could hear, the first thing when I open the door is I hear her singing in the spirit. And when I hear that, when I hear other people stepping out and doing that, I, I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, e- even if I'm not doing it myself, I know that somebody is praying and worshiping Jesus and, and things are being done in those heavenly places. You guys with me? Yes, you're with me. I love it. Uh, then we have speaking in an unknown language that is interpreted by the speaker or by somebody else. So, during prayer time, in the middle of worship, if Pastor Janet would have come up here and started speaking in her spiritual language on the microphone, she would only do that if the Lord told her, do that. And then if she were to do that, right after that happened, either Pastor Janet or one of you would have been given an interpretation for that word from the Holy Spirit. So speaking in tongues in a congregational setting, using that spiritual language in a congregational setting from a microphone, addressing people in that way requires interpretation. And that word in the spiritual language and the interpretation of that word equals prophecy. And Paul talks a lot about this in 1 Corinthians 14. And the the church in Corinth was, was, they were just, they were going crazy. Right? And people were just coming up here and everybody was speaking in tongues and they wanted to be heard and they wanted to say this. And it was very disorderly. Because a lot of times, uh, when I first went to a Pentecostal church, the person on the platform started using their spiritual language and everybody else in the congregation started doing the same thing. And I thought I was in a cult. Like, I was like, what is happening right now? I'm going to leave. Thank God somebody saw me freaking out, one of the pastors, and came and talked to me and let me know what was going on. Because I was like, y'all are crazy. I, I did not sign up for this. I just said yes to Jesus. Now you're all speaking in some weird language. I don't understand. It can be very, very, very confusing for people that come into the church who've never heard it, don't understand what it is. So it's best used as a personal language. But if the Holy Spirit prompts you to do that, then you, you, you do what the Holy Spirit says. Not what I say. So different types. Now, let's talk about what spiritual language is not. It is not evidence that someone is a better or more more mature Christian. You do not have to speak in tongues. You do not have to have a spiritual language to be close to Jesus. So let's just get that out of the way. A lot of people, a lot of Christians will tell you that it is the true evidence of maturity in Christ. And that's just not biblical. There's no case for that in scripture. It is something that is for every believer. But you do not have to speak in a spiritual language to be saved, to be a mature Christian, right? There's no second class citizens in God's kingdom. We are all one in Christ. And that same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead can empower us and will empower us. And this is a gift that is available for everybody. It is also not the only way to know that you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is not the only evidence. I was talking to uh, Genesis last week, 
And he received baptism in the Holy Spirit. He did not speak in a spiritual language. And it was a few months later, I think, he said that God, that the Holy Spirit gave him that gift. But he knew at the moment that it happened that he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. But he did not speak in a spiritual language until later. There are a lot of people that I know that are the same way. I think, um, I think my wife got baptized in the Holy Spirit when she was like eight. I think Ariana when she was like four, right? And then seven. And then she grabbed her sister one day and she's like, I'm, you're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit right now and speak in tongues. Like, it's crazy talking to her sometimes. Um, but I would encourage you, like, ask people about their experience. What did you experience when the Holy Spirit came upon you? Did you speak in tongues right away? Did you get that spiritual language? You can't, I mean, there, there's a list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and all of them are available to us. Now, I, I do believe that there will be an initial evidence. I believe that there will be an evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I contend and believe and pray that the Holy Spirit would give those people spiritual language and enable them to do that. But it doesn't have to be the only thing that happens as proof that you've received the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's talk about five truths about spiritual language. Number one, it's an affirmation that you've received the Holy Spirit. Again, not the only way, but it is definitive proof that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People will sometimes ask me, well, Pastor Mike, how do I know that I'm saying what God wants me to say and not saying what Satan wants me to say. Well, Luke 11, God knows how to give good gifts. Which of you fathers, if his son asks for, you know, a fish, will give him a snake or ask for some bread, you'll give him a scorpion. Like, that's weird. God knows how to give good gifts and the Lord is not going to allow born-again Christians to speak in a false or demonic tongue. There are references of that. But if you are a born-again Christian, saved, sanctified by the blood of Jesus, God will not allow that to happen. Will not allow that to happen. Another question I hear is, uh, how do I know it's not just something that I'm making up? You, you are not going to want to fake it. You won't. Any of you who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and have a spiritual language and use that spiritual language know that you're not going to make that up. You're not going to fake that. Uh, and which brings us to our second point. It requires humility because I'm going to be completely honest with you. It sounds weird. The first time you experience this, it sounds weird. And this is, what, this is one of the reasons that kept me from seeking the Holy Spirit baptism for so long. My experience was I heard it in church and it sounded so awkward that I'm like, there's no way I'm doing that. Like, that's embarrassing. That's so weird. I don't want that. And so people would always want to pray for me and I would tell them, no. I'm like, no, I do not want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because I don't want to sound like that. That's weird. So one day, uh, my friend Jason was having a prayer night. I didn't know it was a prayer night. And they had been there for a few hours praying. And a lot of the time they were praying for me to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. So at one point he calls me and he's like, hey, Mike, come down to the church. We're playing Halo. So I was like, I like video games. Let's go. I come down to the church. I walk in the door, instantly like crumble under the presence of the Lord and just started speaking in my spiritual language without anybody touching me. And like, I knew at that moment, like that was from Jesus. And that's what I needed. 
That's what I needed. But it requires humility because it, it, it requires us to drop our pride in a sense. And it requires us to let go of control of our ego. Not control of our mind, but control of our ego. And say, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm going to allow you to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to step out on a ledge here and believe and humble myself a little bit because there might be something that you're trying to say through me, right? And maybe it's a syllable, maybe it's a, a bunch of different syllables, but it's going to sound weird. But, but that's okay, that's okay. It's new. It's fresh. It's, it's something that we haven't experienced before. And so allow the Lord to take you through that process. Understand that it's from him. Understand that it's edifying to you. Paul says, when I, when I speak in tongues, when I pray in my spiritual language, when I sing in my spiritual language, I am edified. Right, And so a lot of people, like uh, during prayer this morning, during worship this morning, I was singing the song that was on the screen. I was singing the song that was being played, and then I would sing in my spiritual language. And Paul says that. He says, I will pray with my mind, but I will pray with my spirit. I will sing with my mind, but I will sing with my spirit. Right? This is, this is a gift that it doesn't require us to, to be saturated in the Lord's presence for 17 hours before the Lord will open our mouth and give us the ability to speak in this heavenly spiritual language. You can turn it on and off like a light switch. I can start praying in tongues. I can start singing in tongues and, and, and doing that without, again, this crazy, emotional, heightened, weird response that a lot of times people think has to come along with it. So it requires humility. You might think it sounds weird. That's okay. And our next point is, even though it requires humility, it might sound weird, but you need to release it. You need to release it, open your mouth, move your tongue around, let those words, let those syllables come, right? The Holy Spirit will reveal something to you. We're going to make a very safe assumption right now that the Lord wants to give every one of you a greater measure of his Holy Spirit. And if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God would love nothing more than for you to have that experience this morning, but when it happens, we need to release it, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't, and this is another thing, people feel like they are not in control, okay? The Holy Spirit, it's not like you open your mouth and the Holy Spirit grabs your tongue and moves it around and stimulates your vocal cords and makes you say things. That's not what happens. You are in control. The Holy Spirit will give you the spiritual language, right? Uh, in Acts 2.4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Not began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit grabbed their tongue with you know, tongs and moved it around. The Spirit will enable you. You need to open your mouth and release it and let it come out. You are in control of your tongue. You are just verbalizing the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You are not in a mystical trance. You are in control. You need to release it. Number four, it builds faith. Builds your faith every time you use it. First of all, it requires faith to step out and ask 
the Lord for this baptism of the Holy Spirit. It requires faith for you to open your mouth and verbalize the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And it builds your faith every time you use it, right? We are trusting that the Lord is good. We are trusting that spiritual language is a good gift from him. We are having faith in that. When you use this gift of spiritual language, you are edified and strengthened. You, for me and for almost everybody else that I've ever talked to about this concept, about this, this spiritual gift, is that when they pray, when they use it, number one, they know they're praying the will of God. And number two, they feel built up and strengthened in their faith. And uh, I was talking to my wife about it, and I'm like, I was thinking, I was like, it's, it's, like a, it's like a gateway gift, right? It's like when I start to exercise the gift of spiritual language, for me at least, the way I understood it is that was the hardest one for me to wrap my mind around. I believe that God can, can speak through me in words of prophecy, words of knowledge. I believe that the Holy Spirit can give me the gifts of discernment and, and wisdom and faith. And, and, and I believe that God can heal people. But the speaking in that spiritual language was the hardest one for me to wrap my mind around. And so when that started to be released in my life, the other gifts, it became, they became more active in me. And it, it became a thing where it, it was easier for me to trust and rely on the Lord uh, for the, the manifestation of those other gifts in my life. And I feel a lot of people that I've talked to would feel the same way, that it, it, it brings a, almost an activation of the gifts in, in more depth um, and more, uh, more of an occurrence of those gifts in a person's life. So it builds your faith. It could bring a greater sense of the anointing in your life. And I'm telling you, sometimes it, there's, such a, there's such a beauty about praying in that spiritual language, about singing in that spiritual language. And I feel a connection with the Lord that I don't feel otherwise. Mm, it's so good. And build your faith every time you use it. And it is for all believers. Again, it is for all believers. Say it again. This gift is for me. Now look at the person next to you. Say, this gift is for you. Yes. We're going to read it again. Peter said to them, repent, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So, how do we receive this gift? We've talked about what it is. We've talked about what it is not. How do we receive it? Ask. Luke 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if you ask for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Wow, I butchered that earlier. Sorry. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask and believe. Again, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, folks, you do not have to saturate for days. You do not have to be in a heightened emotional trance. You need to be aware of God's presence. Yes, we need to be saved. We need to be set free by Jesus. Salvation is a prerequisite. But ask and believe. You don't have to beg the Lord to give him your Holy Spirit. You don't have to, to plead with him. Ask him. Believe him. Ask in faith. Believe in faith. Receive it. 
This is something that God wants you to have. And there comes a point in the life of every believer where we need more of God. That doing the same thing over and over and over again and living our life with Jesus the way that we have is simply not enough. It wasn't enough for the disciples. It wasn't enough for so many people that we see in Scripture, so many accounts that we see. And we long for a deeper relationship with him. We long for a greater intimacy with the Lord. And baptism with the Holy Spirit is a way to experience that more of the Lord, to experience that deeper relationship and that deeper intimacy that we long for and that Christ longs for for us. It gives us the ability to go deeper with the Lord. And the gifts of the Spirit help us in our personal life and in our witness and and help us to be bold for Jesus. But our first focus should be the Holy Spirit, right? It is okay for you to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. It is okay for you to desire those things. It's totally fine. But our first pursuit should be the presence of the Holy Spirit. Our first pursuit should be relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right? You are able to have a relationship with every member of the Godhead. I have a relationship with God the Father as my heavenly Father. As my heavenly Father who gave me life. Who brought me into this world. Who's put his breath in my lungs. As the one who gave me his son, who gave me his spirit, who desires good things for me, and who is the perfect gift giver and knows how to give good gifts to his children. I have a relationship with Jesus as my savior, who paid the price for my sins, who gave his life for mine, and opened the door for me to be in relationship with my father in heaven. I also have a relationship with the Holy Spirit who brings me comfort, who helps me uh, to live in accordance with God's will, who guides me along that path and brings me to the truth of God's word and has given me the power to be a witness and enables me to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit to bring glory to God. You have to look at the Holy Spirit as, as, as a person that you can have a relationship with and who, who will empower you to do greater and more than you could on your own. Um, I want to invite the worship team. I don't know if they can hear me, but you guys can come up here. Let's, uh, let's change our posture for a second. Let's stand up. Let's say it one more time. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for me. Say that with me. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for me. And in a moment, we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to believe that the Lord is going to send his Holy Spirit. And we are going to believe and ask and, and contend that the Lord would give those of you who desire that a spiritual language with which to communicate to the, with the Lord.
But first, I want us to just worship. And I want us to invite the presence, not invite the presence of God, because we know that the presence of God is here. But for us to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room. And for us maybe to invite the Holy Spirit to take away some of those fears and doubts that we might have. So Lord, we uh, just right now ask, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would uh, make us all aware of your presence in this room. That you would free our minds from the clutter, from the fear, from the doubt, and open us up to the things that you would want to do in us and through us to enable us to become more bold. So as we sing, would you inhabit our praises? Would you make us aware of your presence in our life? In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.